0: Yes, cool. it's crazy. like loud, exciting, and proud. I mean, no, really loud, exciting, and proud. And, yeah, like kind of typeface, yeah, go getter. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when I was your age, uh, when I lived in the Philippines, you know, I was 12, 14, uh, I thought that young women who knew how to speak English. on tv you know what what americans yeah. look like oh, this they speak they, they spoke english they were lighter and we and we said well you know that's that, trash that trash those are the attractive people, people right the then point. when i moved to the u.s when i was 15 my new friends at school um, said that young women who were, were smart and, and, matured and matured tan uh, smart? and like going to the mall were the attractive it ones probably i'm probably like okay that's a little bit different but i can see their point right Then I began college, and I started getting involved in a college and career Bible study at a a church, and my friends there uh, started saying that young women who came to church, athletically built, and had a good job were the attractive ones. Um, And when I was writing this down, it reminded me uh, one one time, you know, because my my friends were like, yeah, she she has to be athletically built. While they're all wearing their skinny jeans, right? They're talking about a woman who's athletically built uh, sitting <laughs> in their Starbucks, uh, and then and then one, one, uh, one time, uh, two sisters from New Zealand moved to Jupiter, Florida. They were sisters, and uh, they, in in New Zealand, rugby was big, you know, and and ladies played rugby in New Zealand, so they, they, they moved to New, to, uh, to Florida. And they were athletically built. And you would hear the boys, you know, the guys talking about the two sisters, how attracted they were to them, yet none of them talked to them because they were intimidated by those (laughs) young women. And then fast forward, um, it, it wasn't until I became a Christian at 21, 22, when I finally learned from the Bible and from the older folks who discipled me what a young, what an attractive young woman looked like. No. And uh, th- I just kept learning from the Bible and from those older folks yeah, that, that uh, a young woman is attractive right. when oh, she is wise is and godly. Okay, it had nothing to do with Where's her appearance. Okay? That's an attractive That's woman never according to the Bible, when you are wise and godly. Now students, whether you know it or not, okay, social media and your friends, and your movies that you like to watch, the series that you like to binge watch, the magazines that you guys read, uh, the, the social media that you scroll through, all those things, whether you know it or not, already had affected what you think about a young woman. Okay, What you think about femininity, what you think about a- attraction when it comes to your gender. Okay, Just to be honest uh, with yourself, you, those things had already affected you, influence you even uh, so my hope this morning and next sunday is to um, to expose those lies from from the bible and and help you guys see that this is this is the manual this is the truth um, that's going to help you when it comes to becoming not attractive in in the eyes of men but attractive in the eyes of god okay a young woman who is wise a young woman who is godly that young woman is attractive in God's eyes. And that's the only audience that you guys should really be concerned of. And um, no better place to find the answer um, to combat these lies than Proverbs 31. So go to Proverbs 31. Now, if, uh, Wednesday night, some of you ladies are memorizing Proverbs 31. Who's doing that? Raise your hand. Don't, don't be embarrassed. Okay, yeah, almost half of the ladies. Um, I won't. I won't say whose group, but but you know the guys are memorizing too. Not not Proverbs thirty one. The guys are memorizing too. You know we we did uh, two verses um, last Sunday, and, and they did really well. Okay, and then we found out that the, some of the ladies are memorizing Proverbs thirty one, the whole chapter, and like oh we got we gotta up our game. So we'll see. Maybe Psalm one nineteen, boys, maybe. <laughs> So, how far are you ladies in your memorization of Proverbs 31? 16, you're halfway. So you already passed that that, uh, that tricky part, you know, son of my vow, my only son, the son that I love. Yeah, in the beginning of my womb, things like that. Good, so Proverbs 31, make sure uh, you are there in Proverbs 31. This morning we're gonna look at seven undeniable marks of a wise young woman. And if you're looking at your handout, you only see how many? Six. Because I think the seventh one, the last two verses of Proverbs 31, deserve you know, uh, a, a Sunday on its own. We're gonna talk about, next Sunday, Lord willing, we're gonna talk about fearing man versus fearing God. Uh, we're gonna talk about internal beauty versus external beauty. So I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to that. I want to reserve more time for that. So we're going to cover just the first six this morning. And I call these undeniable marks because, ladies, when you see these <coughs> traits, okay, these marks in your life, there is no denying, okay? There is no denying that you are a Christian. Okay, unbelievers don't want these marks. Okay, Unbelievers, non-Christians, can't have these marks. So, so when you see these, you know, in, in seed forms and, and, and growing in your life, you can't deny that you are following Christ. So, seven undeniable marks of a young, of a wise young woman. Here's the first one. She is trustworthy. A wise young woman is trustworthy. That's the first, fill in the blank, trustworthy. From the first few verses here. Look at verse 10. An excellent wife who can find, for her worth is far above jewels. So this section begins with a question, okay, implying that this kind of woman, that this type of young lady is what? Everywhere, easy to find, hard to find, hard to come by, rare. Okay, a wise woman, an excellent woman is rare, hard to find. And remember, this was um, this was King Lemuel sharing what his mother taught him. So this ultimately came from a queen, okay, a queen, a mom teaching her son. And she's saying, hey, just so you know, it's hard to find a wise, godly young woman to, to marry. Why? Because her worth is far above jewels. Look at verse 11. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. The first characteristic here is clear. She is trustworthy, okay? It's her trustworthiness that's being highlighted first, not her looks. It's the character first, and it's trustworthiness. She's loyal, she's honest, and her intentions are always to do good for other people she's motivated to do good for other people, specifically her family here. And because of that, her husband trusts her. Her husband doesn't have to worry about her. What is she gonna do when I'm at work? What is she gonna do when when she's at the store? What is she gonna do with our money? What is she gonna do with our kids? he, He doesn't have to worry about those things because she is trustworthy. Now I know you ladies aren't married yet, but let me ask you this, are you you trustworthy? Would you consider yourself trustworthy? Um, Do your parents trust you? Can they trust you when they give you a privilege? Can they trust you with a privilege? Or are they hesitant to give you a privilege because they worry about it, or they worry about you? Uh, Can they trust you with, not just with a privilege, but with a responsibility? Or do they worry about it because they don't know, they don't know what you're gonna do? Are you trustworthy? Are you a trustworthy young woman or people have to worry about you? That's the first character here. It's rare, her worth is far above jewels, but her family here, her husband trusts her. Because why? She does good all her life. Doesn't mean she's perfect, but her motives, her intentions are for the good of other people. That's what makes her trustworthy. Number two. She is hardworking. She is hardworking. She is hardworking. That's the second fill in the blank. Verse 13, she looks for wool and flax and works with her hands in delight. This woman doesn't shy away from hard work. And notice that she doesn't complain about it. What does she do instead? She finds what in it? She doesn't complain about hard work, but she finds, what is it? Fun, yeah? Delight, joy. She sees work, even hard work, as a joy, a privilege, something that she knows that God gave her. So she doesn't complain about it. Her, uh, her hands work in delight in joy. Verse fourteen. She's like merchant merchant ships. Uh, doesn't doesn't uh, she's not being likened to the size of a ship. I mean, this is a you know a big lady. This is just talk of the the comparison here is how far she would go how hard she would work to provide. Look at it. Verse fourteen. She's like merchant ships. She brings her food from afar. Again, doesn't shy away from hard work. Doesn't complain about it. Willing to do it. Verse 15, she rises also while it is still night and gives food to her household and portions to her maidens. She She wakes up early in the morning while it's still dark. Why? Why? So that she could could serve her family, she could serve others. She's a hard worker because she wants to serve other people. Verse 16, she considers a field and buys it from her earnings from that. She plants a vineyard, probably does it again over and over, over time, buying and selling, uh, buying and cultivating and selling. She um, she does business on the side, you can say, an entrepreneur, right, a, bu- a businesswoman on the side. She works hard, she saves money, and buys things that will benefit not just herself, but who? Her family. Okay. She's not afraid of hard work. She doesn't complain about it. She finds joy in it. Why? Because she can... She can She can earn money. She can save money so that she can use that money to benefit other people. And she finds joy in that. Doesn't complain about the work that it takes to do that. Look at verse 17. She girds herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She senses that her gain is what? Good. Again, there's delight in her hard work. Works she works hard and says, "Man, this is so good, so good for me, so good for my family. I can't believe that God's given me this privilege to to be able to provide for my family." 18b, second line. Her lamp does not go out at night. She stretches out her hands to the distaff, and her hands grasp the spindle. Back in verse 15, she's the first one to wake up. Here in verse 18, she's the last one to go to bed. Does that mean that you guys should do that? I don't, I don't think it's necessarily saying that you guys should do that. I think the principle here is that you should always be prepared to work hard and find delight in working hard because you know that you'll get something out of it so that you can share it. That's the principle. And it's not saying, it's not necessarily saying that, hey, you know, be, be up before your parents, uh, go to bed after, you know, the baby and uh, you'd be a wise woman, you'd be a godly woman. I don't think it's saying that. Um, the principle is that you are to be a hard worker. Again, after a long day of work, no doubt she's physically exhausted, but instead of complaining about her day, she's what, thankful for it. She's thankful for it. I, uh, I was reading uh, one of the books that talked about Proverbs 31 and they um, they referred to salary.com okay salary.com and uh, the article said this the experts from that website calculated the earning power of the work done by mothers okay you moms you'd be you'd be uh, interested to to hear this it, if, if it kind <laughs> of offends you uh, but it's fair um, I think you will you will know why. You're like what? yeah I'd do more than that. But but just listen. The experts from that website calculated the earning power of the work done by mothers, and they estimated that a stay-at-home mom would earn about one hundred twenty-two thousand seven hundred thirty-two dollars. Some moms would be offended by that. I should earn more. Some might say, "Hey, that, that's pretty generous, right?" It's really weird. So one hundred twenty-two thousand seven hundred thirty-two dollars. If she were paid for all of the work that she does for her family, and um, I was reading that first, I was like, "Man, that's a lot of money—hundred twenty-two grand a year." But then, you know, it didn't take long. Maybe I don't know. Maybe, maybe like ten seconds after I said, "Man, that's a lot of money. I can't believe they would get paid that showing much." Ten seconds later, I was like. Uh, yeah, she's worth more than $122,000. Um, there is no paycheck that would be enough to pay a mom with all of the things that she does. It's priceless. And then the article later uh, later on started, you know, listing the other things that, that a stay-at-home mom uh, does, you know, and focusing on the spiritual um, health of the kids. You can't pay that. You can't pay that. There's no paycheck big enough for that. Giving the gospel, giving God's word to the kids so that hopefully they would know God's word, the gospel, and repent and believe and give their life to the Lord and live for him the rest of their life. There's no paycheck for that. So I know you like you young ladies don't have a responsibility like that yet, you know, providing for for a husband on the side, providing with kids providing clothes food and extra income for family you don't have that yet you don't have that responsibility no, yet but yet. let me ask you this do you welcome hard work do you welcome hard work do you uh or do you avoid it because you love whatever comfort right you, you may not be working like this mom this uh this wife but do you welcome hard work or do you avoid it because you love comfort? How about this? Do you sacrifice your time for others or do you just use it for yourself? And she she was she was the first one in the morning, last one at night. Again the principle there is sacrificing your time for other people. Do you just use your time for yourself? Whether it's in the morning or at night or do you or do you sacrifice it? Serve others. A wise young woman would. Third, third mark. She is generous. She is generous. A wise young woman is a generous person. Verse 20. She extends her hand to the poor and she stretches out her hands to the needy. This woman is this woman is not selfish. She's not all about herself. She's not self-centered. She doesn't say, oh, I gotta, I, gotta, I gotta work so that I can save money, so that I can make money, so that I can just buy stuff for me. You know, she's not, she's not like that. Instead, instead of keeping those things to herself, she shares them with the poor and the needy. She extends her hand. You can even see the picture of sacrifice of in, intentional um, sharing. The generosity here, she extends her hand to the poor, stretches her hands to the needy. So ladies, let me ask you this, do you treat the things that you have um, as given by God, or do you treat the things that you have as something that you just kinda earned and you deserve? This is my stuff, this is my food, this is my money, this is my clothes, my car, right? Because I work for them, I earn them, mine. Is that your attitude, or do you see them as as a blessing, an undeserved gift from God, so that you can actually not just enjoy them, but you can actually share them with other people? Is that how you see the, things that you, own, the yeah. things that you own, the things that you have earned? Ask yourself this am I, am I generous? Just a plain question, ladies. Am I generous, or am I stingy? Am I generous or am I stingy? I think it's the, the antenna. Let me see. Let me uh, pull it out. That's okay. Okay. Thank you. Are you generous or are you stingy? The things that you have, the money that you earn. Now, if you're struggling with generosity, young ladies and young men, write, write down these passages. Okay, I'll just give you three. Music. That should help us with generosity, so that we can put off stinginess and put on generosity, like this Proverbs 31 woman. Acts 20 verse 35. Okay, Acts 20 verse 35. I won't that. take Did you there. You Just write it down, and I'll paraphrase this to you. It says that it's always better to give than to what? And put it over it. Receive. Here's another one. Hebrews 13 16. Hebrews 13 16. That passage says that that God is pleased when you share with others. Okay, God is happy. God is very pleased, very happy when you share what he's given you with other people. Pretty straightforward. You wanna make God happy as a young woman? Share what you have. And God in heaven is pleased by that. Here's another one, 1 John 3.17. 1 John 3.17. Says that if you are selfish, okay, if you are selfish, most likely you are not a Christian, John says. The word of God, the love of God, does not abide in you if you are selfish, self centered, and can't share. A wise young woman is generous. Number four. Number four, fourth fill in the blank. She is prepared. Okay, she is prepared. Did you guys get those three verses? Anyone missed it? Okay. Number four, she is prepared. Verse 21, she is not afraid of the snow for her household. Why? Why is she not afraid? 21B, second line, four, because all her household are clothed with scarlet. She makes... Coverings even for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Notice that that the woman, this woman, covers herself. Unlike many women today who uncovers, you know, but she's putting on not just not just covering like being modest, but she's actually focusing on being uh, presentable. Also, it's not just oh, you just got to cover yourself. It's not just oh. You know, no prop clothing. When it come, uh, the discovered. Thing it's not. Dead. It's not only that. that it's it's, it's also being presentable. Look at verse twenty-three. Her husband is known. Okay, some translations say respected. Her husband is known, respected in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. The the gates here is referring to the opening of the city to uh, uh, where where they lived back then. So the opening of the city, you would have gates. And people would be going in and out of there all throughout the day, especially in the morning, going to work. Uh, and you would have the elders there, you know, hanging out, talk, talking about life. And people would be asking them about life, and they would apply scripture to life. So it's just the busiest part of the of the city of the town. And here, it says that this woman's husband is known by the people at the gates. You know what that means? It means that they respect him. They respect him for having a good character, why? Because they know who he is married to. They just know. And you know, maybe you've heard your um, your aunts and uncles or even family friends or church friends kind of make comments about your dad, about your mom, right? And a lot, a lot of those compliments, a lot of those praises and comments are not just all about that person like mom and dad. It's actually because of who that person is married to. Okay, that's what's going on here. Look at verse 24. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies belts to the tradesmen. Kind of like Jonathan with the paracord. You know, if, you, if you saw Jonathan's backpack made out of paracord, what like a thousand yards long, something like that. Feet, inches, feet, feet. So this this young woman supplies belts to the tradesman. Uh, strength and dignity are her clothing. Okay, it, it, it does comment on what she wears. Okay, she covers herself, she's modest, and she makes sure that she's presentable. But look at what really matters. Strength and dignity are her clothing. How is she prepared? Look at the end of verse 25, she smiles at the feet. Prepared, she smiles at the future. Verse twenty-one, she's not afraid of the future. Here, verse twenty-five, she smiles at the future. How can she do that? Well, because she's prepared. Okay, the point here, ladies, is that she doesn't worry about the future because she's preparing for it all the time. She doesn't spend her time thinking about the unknowns. Okay, like like a lot of us today. the unknowns and the what-ifs. And then you spend so much time thinking about the unknowns and the what-ifs that you that you lose track and you neglect preparing for the future. She's not like that. Instead, she spends her time preparing. She's not a, what I call well, you guys came up with this, your generation. She's not, she's not a YOLO woman. Is that like five years ago? Y-O-L-O? Is there is there a new thing now? It's way old. No? You guys know what YOLO is? What it stands for? you only live once again which is wrong grammatically it should be you live only once okay but i get it you know yolo sounds cool um, she's not that okay she's not a yolo young woman um, which is again a character a character of our young generation today we're all about yolo it, we're we're impulsive we're all about pleasure and we, we're all about just live for today and neglect the future that's what yolo is neglect the future so you can just live for today, right? And when and when you warn the young generation today of, of this kind of uh, lifestyle, okay, a, lot, a YOLO lifestyle, you warn them about that. You warn them about the normal difficulties that are gonna come in life, you know, just normal difficulties. You warn them about the consequences of mistakes and wrong decisions that they make. They say, ah, oh, it's all good it's all good, you know, t- the, tomorrow will take care of itself, it's all good, right? Uh, we just need to live for today, live it up for today, yolo all the way, right? And and, and you remind them, hey, there, there are normal difficulties in life as you grow up, ah, that's for tomorrow. Hey, and also the, the, the decisions, the wrong decisions you make today and the mistakes that you make today, those have consequences later on and they say, ah, you know, you know what? My parents will be there. They'll take care of me, right? Other people will help me with those consequences, and the government government will pay for all that stuff, right? That's the YOLO mentality. They are they are living it up today and neglectful of preparing for the future. This young woman here, Proverbs 31 woman, she is prepared. Not afraid of the future, and she actually smiles at the future. Why? Because she's prepared and she trusts the Lord. So, ladies, let me ask you this Are you preparing for the future? Or are you only living for today? Are you preparing for the next season of life? Are you preparing for college? Are you preparing for marriage? Are you preparing for motherhood? Or are you just going to YOLO everything? You might be saying, Prepare for college? Maybe. You know, two years, three years from now, prepare for for marriage? No, that's like 18 years from now. You know, motherhood? I'm not gonna be a mother, right? I'm not saying that all those things will just, you know, follow um, one after the other. All I'm saying is that you need to be prepared, young ladies, okay? There are difficulties in life, okay? Here, it just makes a comment on snow, snow, which back then would be a difficulty for them. That's why she prepared for it. But there are a lot of other difficult things that are more difficult than just snow. You know that, right? And again, the mistakes that you make, the wrong decisions that you make, they all have consequences. And then you add to that different seasons of life that, that you can't run away from. God will actually put you in the next season of life, college, The next season of life, another one. The next season of life, after that. You're not, you just don't have the luxury to run away from those things. What are you gonna do? Right? And I bet you, you know, when when you're there, you'll say, man, I can't believe when I was a teenager, I was saying, ah, I'll deal with that stuff when when they come. I should have been preparing a lot earlier. I should have been asking the older ladies how to prepare. Number five, number five, she is well-spoken, well-spoken, number five, well-spoken. Verse 26, she opens her mouth in wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. Now, if you notice, we've been, so far we've been learning about her what? Her work, Right? And now we're finally learning about her (coughs) words. Okay? How she not just worked, but how she talked. First, she is well spoken because of what she says. Okay? The content of her speech. Look at it. She opens her mouth in what? Wisdom. She's not interested in talking about nonsense and foolishness. Doesn't mean that she's, you know, doesn't mean ladies that just have to be, you know, so serious, you know. Uh, if somebody talks to you, it just has to be chapter and verse. It doesn't mean that. Um, it's just saying that she's she's not about foolish talk. She's not about nonsense talk. Whatever comes out of her mouth is, is wisdom. Okay, she gives you wise words. Second, she's well-spoken, not only because of what she says, but how she says what she says. Okay, look at the second line. And the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. Okay, she's not harsh and condescending like other, other people today, like other women today. She's not like that. Instead, she talks to you in a gentle and kind way. Oh, she'll tell you what you need to hear, and it'll be, it'll be a wise, wise advice, but she'll, she'll be sure to tell you those things in a kind and gentle way. So ladies, let me ask you this. Would your family and friends consider you a well-spoken woman? What would they say? Are others challenged and encouraged when they talk to you? Or do, do people kinda shy away from having a conversation with you because they're not going to get wisdom and they're not going to get kindness from you? Is that the case? If you're struggling with your words, ladies and guys, write down these two uh, two verses here. One is Matthew twelve, verse thirty four. Matthew 12, verse 34, you don't have to go there, it just says there that what comes out of your mouth is what's actually in your what? Heart, okay? Can I judge your heart right now? Just by looking at you? No, no way, right? You can't do that with me. But you know what, I can see, I can judge what's in your heart once you start talking. You know, give it some time, and your friends will get to know what's really in your heart by the way they listen to what you say and how you say those things. That's what that verse says, and that's from Jesus himself. Here's, here's the second verse, which is only uh, two verses after that, verse 36, so Matthew 12, verse 36. And that one says that you, are, you and me, we're going to be held accountable okay, for every single careless word that we say. Last one for today, number six. She is praiseworthy. She is praiseworthy. A wise young woman is a praiseworthy person. Look at verse 27. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. This woman cares for her family, spiritually as well as materially. She's not idle, she's not lazy, okay? Uh, and because of that, she is praiseworthy. You can say commendable, okay? Commendable, look at verse 28. We start seeing the, the commendation and the praises um, from her family. Verse 28, her children rise up and bless her, okay? You can take it, you know, literally, you know, she's been up all morning, <laughs> right? Going somewhere to get food, preparing the food, and now the kids wake up. Right, and what do they say? They men, they praise their mom. Thank you. They and they know. They know what what it took. You know, for all these provisions that are already there when they wake up. This is just—it's right there. You, you guys know that you, things just don't appear right when you wake up. Like somebody actually worked and saved and bought those things, and then prepared those things before you woke, you wake up and then you wake up, it's there, right? What should you do? You should praise your mom. You should commend your mom like these children here. Not only her children, but also her husband, 28b. The second line of verse 28, her husband also. I hope it's not, al- it's also, well, it also is added. I hope it's not saying, now the husband wakes up <laughs> you know, after the children, um, I hope it's not like that. But her, the point here is that the, the husband also Praises her and look at how she praises her. Look at look at her uh, look at his commendation of her, saying, verse twenty nine, many daughters or many women have done nobly, but you excel. Another okay, translation says surpass them all because of her character, her whole fi- her whole family, her kids, and her husband praise her and commend her, and to them, mom, this wife is exemplary, exemplary. So ladies, let me ask you this question. Where do you excel in? Do you know? Do you know where you excel in? Do you know where you are exemplary in? Is it in athletics and people praise you for being a good athlete? Is it in uh, academics and your teachers praise you for having straight A's, commend you for being A good student is it in um you know how you dress and your friends at church always praise you for how you dress commend you for how you look is that what you is that where you excel in is it okay to excel in those things yes yes it's very okay to excel in those things but here again the point is that you excel in wisdom you excel in character like this young woman and guess what people will praise you commend you for that not really because you're a good athlete, not really because you got a scholarship, not really because you're so put together. It's because you are wise and godly. That's the true and most meaningful commendation, young ladies. Okay, when somebody says, you are wise beyond your years. Okay, and they, they talk to you, right? And then they watch you, right? And then they ask you, how old are you? And you say, oh, I'm 14. You're like, what? You know? What you don't want to hear is, I, I figure, you know, I mean what do you expect from a fourteen year old? That, that's not what you want to hear. What you want to hear is, wow, you are wise beyond your years. You are you are praiseworthy, you are exemplary, commendable. Why? Because of your character. Okay, because of your godly and wise character. Well. Like I said in, in the beginning, we'll save the, the seventh one for next Sunday, okay? Because we, we are going to just focus on those two last verses, talking about fear of man, fear of God, external beauty, internal beauty, all those things. Uh, but we have some time. So like, like we did last couple Sundays, let's talk about this, ladies uh, and guys, so you guys can participate too. Uh, in what areas do you need help in in these six, six character marks? Undeniable marks. You guys had really, really good comments and questions last Sunday, so I want to keep that going so we can really apply uh, these topics from Proverbs. And guys, you can ask questions too. Yes? You, You do make paracord belts? You're wearing one right now? When, when you guys are in trouble or you go camping or something in the man you will have something that you that you need so questions guys comments and leads? no nothing you guys got it down just simple reminders yes. and trust your preparation to the Lord. Okay, I like that word, entrust. When we were in 1 Peter, we saw that word, and Jesus Christ did that, right? He didn't revile in return. He didn't, you know, say harsh words in return. He didn't um, seek revenge in return. He didn't do those things. What did he do? He kept entrusting himself in whom who judges righteously. So yeah, prepare, you don't say, i would just let go and let God, you know, the future, I don't know the future anyway, and God is in control anyway, so it'll just take care of itself, so I don't need to prepare, no, prepare, but make sure your preparations are being entrusted in God, what, what does that practically look like? Well, number one, you're, 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 pray- you're prayerful, okay, you pray. Hey God, give me the wisdom to prepare now. Whatever the, the, the next thing may be, college, let's say I have three colleges that I want to apply to, or maybe you don't want to go to college, um, and that too is another preparation. So you're praying about that, asking for wisdom, and then secondly, you're thankful. You're thankful because you get to prepare you, and you get to you get to entrust that to the Lord. So. So if you are prayerful about it and you are thankful about it, then that's a great indication that you're not fretting about it, okay? Uh, if you're fretting about the future, even though you're preparing because you want everything under control, but you're not prayerful and you're not thankful, then that's a sign that it's wrongly motivated. So prepare, work hard, prepare hard, but make sure you're praying about it and you're thankful to the Lord. You have those two practical signs you, you know, you know that you are doing it right in a way that's easy to the world. So, does that answer? You can apply that to a lot of things, whether it's college or relationship or moving. You know, do I prepare for theater? I mean, she did a lot of things that she didn't get praised for. Actually, other people kind of got it, (laughs) like her husband and maybe the kids, right? People would praise their kids and her husband when really, you know, it was all her work. session, but we can't be doing that in church. Uh, A session about a person. Uh, What do I appreciate character-wise about my wife? Um, Yeah, probably like this woman here, um, not afraid of hard work. um, Even when she will never get commendation for it, Um, she will in heaven, but she doesn't care about that, right? Uh, She just cares about about working hard for the benefit of other people that's probably how I put it uh, working hard for the benefit of other people the the spiritual welfare of other people specifically the family that's 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 one so, a lot of other things but I think that's big and and so that, that, I think that's the same thing that the that dads They do a lot of work. I mean, you know that that um that thing from Salary.com. Really, I was like, man, 122 grand. But then ten, ten seconds later, I'm like, man, only 122 grand. Like they do a lot more than that. You know why? Because what they do is for a spiritual work. Okay. Hopefully, hopefully for the salvation of the kids in the home. And you. You just can't put a paycheck on that thing. So yeah, working hard for the benefit for the spiritual welfare of other people. Uh, I mean guys, you can relate with me here, you know. We come home and we're like, ah, so too tired. You know, but, but we come home and our wives and our moms, right, what are they doing? They're on the second wind of you know, the night shift. Right? For for who? For the benefit of the family, for the spiritual welfare of other people, you know, we come home and like I oh, already clocked out, man. You know, um, where's dinner? <laughs> that's that's you know that's a mistake. So. What else, guys? One more? Yes, back here. Yes, great. hard enough, uh, but avoiding burnout? Uh, give me a, a scenario, like in what? Like Chick-fil-A, uh, theater, uh, saxophone, like school saxophone. theater? Okay. <laughs> well, you know, you can't be really good at something without putting in the hard work, right? I think burnout is true, even pastors' burnout, right? I think burnout is true, but when somebody tells me oh, I just got burnout, man, that's why. That's why I quit. That's why I quit pastoral ministry, or that's why I quit baseball, or that's why I quit uh, theater. I just got burnout. I don't believe them right away that they got burnout the right way. Um, I think sometimes we say burnout because really we just our, our expectations weren't met. So it's really a wrong expectation and our, ex- ex- our expectations weren't met, therefore we quit and we say burnout, right? A true burnout is you actually worked hard, you entrusted your work to the Lord and you did your best to balance it in your life and and it just, it just didn't work out, you know, circumstantially and, and providentially, it just wasn't a thing for you anymore. You know, you, there, there's no more that you could put into it, therefore you say, yeah, I think you know, I need to move on to the next thing. That's 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 true burnout. But there's another another burnout that's wrong. It's you know all your expectations that you had put up in the beginning, and and you find out that none of them are met are met. So you're bitter about it. you I've sad. Burnout. I quit. So yes. Ladies, be encouraged, as you grow, you will grow in your discernment, just like that book. I mean, the book that we're reading on Wednesday night, she was 18 and she was learning about discernment. She grew in that. You guys will grow in discernment too. And you'll get into things that you're like, ah, that wasn't the best. That's fine, move on, you know, get the best one next time. But keep your expectations, I wouldn't say low, but keep your expectations realistic. Okay, biblically realistic. And, and go at it, you know. Go, go, go. Do things, you know. Full strength, and then trust the result in the Lord. Um, and when your expectations are not met, you should be fine. Apply discernment and move on to the next thing. So, and, and talk, and talk to people. Talk to people have done theater. Talk to you know somebody. Somebody's going to uh, to college to uh, play a saxophone. He should be talking to somebody first, if that's actually the best, okay, decision. Um, So, all right, thank you guys for the the questions. Before we end, I do want to uh, bring up uh, Peter Holt up here. So, Peter, if you you can come up here, Uh, and maybe um, uh, Hudson, can you please find the Bible somewhere back there? It should be back there. Now, Peter Holt uh, is leaving us, correct? I don't correct. know if I'm wrong now, <laughs> things change? No, it's no. <laughs> still the same. So Peter is leaving, he and his family are moving to uh, Texas, everybody seems Sunday, okay, so they sold their house, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um so you've been with you have been with us in Mysteries for how long? Long time? Seven years? eight years. Eight years. Okay. Yeah. Alright. So uh, if you guys know Peter and the whole family, be praying for them. Will you be here Wednesday? Maybe okay. So make sure you you say your goodbyes, your farewell to uh, to Peter, and and encourage him. Well spoken, right? Choose your words out of wisdom in a way that's gentle and encouraging. So so uh, do that for for Peter. I'll pray for you, and then we'll be dismissed. Is that okay? Dear Lord, we thank you for uh, for your wisdom, for your providence. How you, how you move people, how you bring people to churches uh, like ours. Um, we don't really do anything to uh, attract students. Uh, sometimes we'll have less, sometimes we'll have more. It's, it's all your work. And, um, and for every single student we're very thankful for. And we thank you for Peter, all the six, seven years that, that he's been a part of this ministry um, watching him grow, not just physically, but spiritually, watching his family uh, serve and be involved, watching his uh, siblings also grow and move and get married, um, become parents. We're thankful for everything that you've done in um, in their life. We, we thank you for what you've done in Peter's life. Thank you that he uh, professes faith. Thank you that he uh, trusts in Jesus. Christ, thank you that that he, um, that he serves Jesus Christ. We ask that, that you would help him uh, as they move. I know that he is nervous. I know that he loves this church. Protect him from, from the evil one. Uh, instead, grow him. Make him a wise young man. Make him godly. Make him, make him Christ-like so that he can be used by you wherever you take him. And that he would be a great example as he matures and grows. So be with him. Bless him. Uh, we uh, commend him to you. and trust him to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We give all our